What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined always by my main man, Stephen Thompson. Find us on YouTube.com slash All Steelers Talk or subscribe anywhere. You get your podcast, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They head into the offseason. Plenty of news, plenty of questions. We have a long time and a lot of episodes left to dive into each and everything that the Pittsburgh Steelers have to fix, correct, and answer before training camp and OTA start in the summer and in the spring. But for right now, there were two big ones, two giant questions that the Pittsburgh Steelers had walking out of locker room clean-out day yesterday and into the offseason. The first one was the speculation of Mike Tomlin, who will be the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2024. Is he going to take some time off? Is he considering being traded elsewhere to another team? Well, we finally got an answer to that one. Meanwhile, the quarterback is obviously number two on that list, and one ESPN analyst has three teams. The Pittsburgh Steelers must call to try and correct it before the offseason is over. And then we were there yesterday. Locker room clean out, spoke to as many guys as we could, got some news and notes and everything else, and we'll give you our biggest takeaways from the last time we will talk to these players until OTAs. It is a sunny day out there in the Berg. It feels really good to be back on a regular podcast schedule. I won't lie to you, but it's freezing cold. Buffalo has still followed our asses home from our two Pittsburgh, I should say. How you feeling, my friend? You know, I feel better because I think I know what day it is today. Yes, um, yes, I, I think, agree. I, I think I have like my calendar, you know, settled underneath my feet, and that is a much better feeling than like we we got to the stadium, we got to Highmark Stadium in Buffalo on that was Monday, Monday, yeah, Monday, and I don't know. Someone was people kept asking us like, "Oh, when did you come up? When are you guys leaving?" And I was like, yeah. "Uh, I think it was like seventy two hours ago we came up. I don't know. <laughs> it feels like a week. I, I'm not really sure." But, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. It is. Uh, it it's it's very. I I tried as hard as as possible yesterday to kind of just like settle in, get back into like a normal routine. All while, uh, I mean, you had to, you had to cover a game last night. I thought thoughts and prayers to you all night long. That's <laughs> all I kept saying. You could ask Jillian. I was just like, man, dude, I hope Stevens like alive and well out there. Um, but I tried as hard as possible to get back into a normal routine while my body was just like slowly deteriorating throughout the night. It was just like, all right, pal, it's. It's 11 o'clock. If you don't go to bed right now, you're not going to make it. It's just not yeah. going to happen. Um, but we're here. We're back. It's Wednesday, which is very, very good. We talked to the Pittsburgh Steelers locker room for the last time yesterday. We'll dive into that. We'll start with the biggest news of the day, the biggest news of yesterday, the biggest news of the Pittsburgh Steelers offseason, and that is Mike Tomlin telling the team yesterday that he will come back. This is according to NFL Network's Mike Garofalo, and then Pittsburgh Post-Gazette's Jerry Dulac confirmed that. Later in the afternoon, he told the players in their final meeting that the speculation, the rumors of him not coming back or thinking of taking some time off or going elsewhere is unfounded and that he will return in 2024 to the Pittsburgh Steelers, ending any speculation and for us, any nonsense reports that have floated around there for the last couple of weeks about him going elsewhere. You heard the news or your thoughts when uh, you saw Mike T is coming back in 2024. Yeah, it's like the first domino to fall of the offseason, really, and the, and the biggest one. Um, it is kind of everything comes off of this, you know? Like every other decision that the Pittsburgh Steelers have to make for the rest of the offseason, they all had to wait until Mike Tomlin, until we knew for sure what Mike Tomlin was going to do. And I say, you know, no for sure, because it seems like Mike Tomlin knew what he was going to do for a while and just yeah. didn't 
didn't really want to share that decision with the rest of us. Um, or it seems like the rest of his, his team. So, uh, you know, he, he finally did share that news. He shared it in a personal meeting. He kept it kind of in house and just let it, let it leak out through the media. Um, I mean, I think the reception was kind of lukewarm and you understand, I mean, it's on the heels of a really bad playoff loss, um, on the heels of a, of a bad season that seemed real disjointed, but, um, I feel like there should be some optimism, you know, like Mike Tomlin was not the Steelers biggest problem last year. In fact, I, I think he was, you know, one of the biggest solutions that they had last year. He was one of the guys who, I mean, among all of the reasons why they were able to rally towards the end of the season and even get to the playoffs. Uh, I think Mike Tomlin is, is pretty close to the top of the list. If they're not at the top of the list, um, yeah. there are a million teams that, you know, hate to rehash all the same talking points, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see, like, this is a, they've got a lot of work to do in the off season, but I think they've got, you know, the best coach that they could possibly have right now to, to go into 2024 with. And I feel like that should be a, that should be a comforting place for the Steelers who are entering an off season with, with so much other stuff set to change. They've got at least one thing staying consistent. Yeah. Yeah. You wrote a real nice piece this morning that I thought uh, convinced me because I, you know, I, I, I believe in Mike Tomlin. I believe that Mike Tomlin is the coach or the guy for the job here in Pittsburgh and that he does everything. I also have acknowledged plenty of times that Mike Tomlin does have his flaws and mm-hmm. that those flaws have stood out plenty in the last couple of years with this Pittsburgh Steelers team. And, and I think guys bringing up like Najee Harris talking about in-house rules and TJ Watt talking about nobody's practicing hard and all those things. I think when all of that starts to surface, you have issues and that all gets deflected to the head coach. That being said, it is Mike Tomlin and there are few, if any, coaches above him. I mean, you got Bill Belichick, but Bill Belichick's up there in age and coming off a couple of really, really bad seasons. And I honestly believe that if Mike Tomlin hit the coaching carousel today, he'd surpass Belichick. And, and I, that wouldn't be five years ago. You know, it'd, it'd be Belichick by a mile. But today, if it happened today, I think Mike Tomlin would be the most wanted coach in the NFL because teams understand that what you're getting is a guy who's going to lead you to the playoffs, how far he's going to take you, who knows, but everybody should be optimistic that it should be further than where he's taking the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I agree with you. I think that optimism should be here in Pittsburgh as well, at least for right now. You know, you have questions. You have some serious questions. When your first question on your offseason to-do list or, or checklist or whatever is, is your head coach coming back? And then your second one is, who is your quarterback going to be? It is as those are as big as they possibly get. They are not small needs or small issues that the Pittsburgh Steelers have. And to go 10 and seven and make the playoffs and really have a shot there at the end to, to make a comeback. If it wasn't for a couple of, a couple of bad penalties and some bad tackling. I mean, you're looking at a team that that's right there neck and neck with Buffalo. I'm not trying to make an excuse. I'm just trying to say that I don't know how much better it gets than this. And for another year or another three years or whatever, the the pieces are here to say, okay, look at, you know, another shot and we're going to get roasted, you know, because that's just what happens is halfway through the season. When we're talking about how Mike Tomlin is an issue and the problem and everybody's telling us we're crazy. And then at the end of the season, we're trying to defend the guy and everybody's telling us we're crazy. It'll be a constant life cycle. But if you live that constant life cycle, you always end up here. Mike Tomlin's got to take it to the other side. I think that's the only the only issue, the only concern people should have right now is in the middle of the season, fans and everybody else are willing to support this guy 110% back against the wall. He will get the job done. 
at the end of the season, he's got to get it to a point where fans are still like, look at man, this is my guy. I ride and die with Mike Tomlin. That is the only issue. I think the locker room loves this guy. Like, I think it's crazy yesterday how like we, and I might be taken away from what we're going to talk about later, but I think it's a very important note here is I think it's crazy how a coach hasn't won a playoff game in seven years has dealt with everything that that locker room has dealt with. And I have never once heard a player put the blame on Mike Tomlin ever once. Yeah. Yeah. It's all been kind of self accountability. I think yes. Pat Frymuth said it. Um, I think even TJ Watt and I don't know if Cam, Cam Hayward said uh, it, but Cam I was, mean, uh, Cam was as vocal as he could be yesterday, even if he didn't say those exact words. Right, right, right. But they all put it on themselves. The struggles of this team over the course of this year, they're like, we have to execute better. Like it's not, I mean, even Najee, I felt like he was very careful, intentional to say, look, this isn't about, you know, the changes I'm talking about. They don't, I'm not talking about coaches. I'm talking about the players. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about our attitude, the way we execute uh, in and out of games. Um, they wanted to take responsibility for it. They didn't want to put it on on Mike Tomlin. And, uh, you, you know, I you mentioned the piece I wrote. I mean, Mike Tomlin didn't fumble twice. He didn't throw a red zone interception. Like, yep. there there are plenty of things that you can criticize Mike Tomlin for. And and like you said, we've done it. We've done it more the more. Uh, we've done it pretty often this year throughout the season. Yeah. Um, but he was, I don't know, if he's going to get credit for everything that went wrong this season, then he's also got to get, uh, or if he's going to get blamed for everything that went wrong this season, he's also got to get credit for turning things around and for for keeping this group cohesive throughout uh, really all of the, I don't even know what you call it, like the the drama, the mess, the like every other kind of, um, you know, extracurricular storyline that we hated to talk about and hated to hear about. Mike Tomlin kept this locker room together through it all. Um, and, and kept them pointed in the right direction and, and got them where they were going. And, 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 you know, they lost to a better team, but at the end of the day, like, I don't think you can discredit, you know, you got to walk a fine line, but you can't discredit what he did well, while also just placing the blame for everything that went wrong solely on his shoulders. Exactly. Exactly. It is a fine line to walk, but you have to walk it. You have to categorize what is his fault and what is not his fault. And then you could, and then you can make a conclusion, but at the end of the day, look at Legendary coaches prove themselves that they are legendary. Bill Belichick has not coached a good team in a long time, and he is the hottest, maybe the second hottest name on the coaching market right now because teams know, man, it does not get better than Bill Belichick. That's just what it is. Not every coach is going to go win a Super Bowl every year, and Mike Tomlin's got to start winning playoff games. I fully understand that one, but you have to look at it sometimes and just say, the grass isn't greener and the pieces are in place to make it greener here. So let's right. try to figure that out. Right. I think that's a good point. Like I think the saying is the grass is greener where you water it. And yeah. this, the lawn that Mike Tomlin has been standing under has not been watered very well. I feel like for the past, what, three, three years or something like this oh, is oh, a, maybe more than that. Right. You got to remember, this is Omar Khan's. He's had one offseason to do something. And what he's done in that offseason has been impressive. You know, he didn't draft Kenny Pickett. That wasn't his choice. He extended Mitch Trubisky after Kevin Colbert signed Mitch Trubisky. Like, that wasn't his choice. He What what Omar Khan has done is brought in a first-round right tackle or left tackle. Joey Porter Jr., who's an absolute stud. Nick Herbig, who's an absolute stud. Keanu Benton, who's an absolute stud. Like Darnell Washington, who's got plenty going on for him. He's 
He's done a lot of good things. He's drafted at least three starters. He brought in one more, at least on the offensive line and free agency. Oh yeah, he he signed all those inside linebackers that we were that yeah. were significant upgrades. Uh yes. Bond and Patrick Peterson to fill the the cornerback role, which I feel like he did capably. Like, yeah, like let's let Omar cook Omar cook for a little bit and then we can see what, what Mike Tomlin does with I don't know, a team that doesn't have so many holes in the roster. You know, I yes. think that's that's and that's the thing, like Look, we're entering the last year of Mike Tomlin's Mike Tomlin's contract. There's no news about an extension yet. Who knows if that'll come? Uh, but Mike Tomlin's got at least one more year to to kind of prove something. And maybe we'll draw some different conclusions at the end of the year. But I'm not ready to bury a coach who who was working with a roster that not only like it was flawed to begin with, and then you added all the injury luck, all the horrible injury luck the Steelers went through this season. So I, I think it's. Yeah, I think Mike Tomlin's got got plenty of leeway going into this year, and and I think he's he's kind of. I mean, Cameron Hayward said it too. I think he used the word like Mike Tomlin has earned the benefit of the doubt a little bit, a little bit more than what we're giving him. Yes, I agree. I agree, and I think you know to stick with the Omar Khan thing. Omar Khan hasn't touched the quarterback market; hasn't done any of it. Maybe he does this off season, which I think is very significant. What you can do there, and. A quarterback changes everything for the Pittsburgh Steelers. To move on to our second point here, while sticking in that same subject, Dan Orlovsky, ESPN analyst, which I know as soon as I say that name, a lot of people are going to be like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Well, he's got three names that the Pittsburgh Steelers should call immediately for a quarterback, and I think all three of them, to some degree, make some sense and are worth definitely talking about. Those three teams are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Chicago Bears, and the Minnesota Vikings, obviously for Baker Mayfield, for Justin Fields, and or for Kirk Cousins. You hear those three names. We have talked about Justin Fields plenty. And, you know, I'm going to reiterate a lot of the same things that I've reiterated and will continue to reiterate. Like this will not, the Justin Fields conversation will not end out of my mouth until Mason Rudolph is the starting quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2024 and or one of these other quarterbacks are already on the roster. You hear those three names, you hear those three quarterbacks, you hear Dan Orlovsky say you got to call one of those three. If you're Omar Khan, you think any of the three are realistic and if you are going to pick of the three what of the three are you going to pick well i think the answer to both those questions is the same i think justin fields is the most realistic one and i think he's the one that i want the most um i think you look at so if you're kind of ordering it i feel like i would put justin fields up top like that's your top option then i think kirk cousins and i think baker mayfield and i think both baker and kirk are just going to be a little bit too much money for what you're getting. I like, yeah. Kirk, I, I like Kirk cousins. I think Kirk cousins is good. And yeah, I think he could do, I think he could do some cool things with Deontay and, uh, and George Pickens, um, and even Pat Fryermuth too. Um, but what is his cap hit? Like $45 million. Like oh, that's it's gotta be up there. Yeah. Like it's a lot of money. Um, and, and money that I don't think the Steelers can really afford, um, right now, especially considering that there are, some other possible big time upgrades out there. Yeah. Uh, and I think this, I, I think it's kind of the same deal uh, with Baker. Just what was it? I believe it is 28, 28 and a half next year. Okay. More reasonable. Definitely more reasonable. Definitely more reasonable. No, he might have, it might be voided money. He might be on a one year, $35 million deal, and then everything else is. Incentives? No, no, no. Oh, no. In 2024, Cousins will earn a $28.5 million cap it, I believe. 
I believe. Okay. Yeah. Well, so then I'm thinking about that a little bit more. I still feel like Fields is the better option, but that's not disqualifying, I feel like, for Kirk Cousins. But by that same vein, like that that would eliminate Baker because Baker's is I don't know, Baker's gonna Baker's a free agent and I feel like he's gonna have to get paid by someone. Like Yeah, a hundred percent. You were saying before we came on that like if you're the Bucks, you already have I mean, especially after that Philly win, you've got Baker's contract like already written up. It just needs his ink on it. Yeah, that I that's exactly it. That's exactly where I stand is I'd rather have a quarterback where either I have one year of, okay, we'll see what happens, money, which is Justin Fields. One year of or an understanding of what I'm going to have to pay them and how crazy it's going to get, which is, okay, cool. Baker's a guy where, for one, isn't he on a one-year deal? So why are you calling the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Like, you just, hey, uh, could you sign him so that, you know, you could trade him to us? I just, yeah. that one's weird to me. Um, and I don't want a guy who has one good season and and what are the terms of good? Like Baker Mayfield looked good and he beat an, an Eagles team that has been struggling. And I get it. Like I, I'm a Baker fan. I like Baker Mayfield a lot. I feel like he's the biggest risk of the three. Like you look at all three of them, you're going, all right, like Baker could be really good. He could also like not be really good. Like he's what is in my opinion, it's kind of simple. Like when it comes to that, and, and I'll talk about the other two in a second here, but when it comes to Baker, like are you, and maybe I'm alone here. I think I'd rather, I think Mason Rudolph and Baker Mayfield are almost on the same level for me right here. Like, Ooh, like Ooh. I think if I had to pick, I'm just going to re-sign Mason Rudolph and say, well, Mason Rudolph looked really good. And, you know, Baker's looked really good too, but what's the, you know, Baker's looked really good and he's let us, I don't know what Tampa Bay's record was this year, but it definitely wasn't 10 and seven. And he definitely didn't face the level of competition that the Pittsburgh Steelers have faced this season. And I just, you know, I'm not saying that Mason's perfect, but if you're going to take a risk, I'm taking a risk on the guy who's here and is proven and who Deontay and Jalen and George and Pat and everybody else love. Like that makes a lot more sense to me. Right. I'm still going, I'm still going Justin Fields over any of them, but Kirk Cousins, 28 million, 28 and a half million dollars. Certainly intrigues me. No doubt about it. Yeah, certainly thinking about Kirk. The other thing about Baker is he's not going to be throwing to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Yeah, exactly. Here. That's exactly like, it. Like you're not your your level of talent goes down. He's a guy that's injured all the time. Like, and again, I'm a big Baker fan, but let Tampa Bay have Baker if I'm right. the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you have your Baker. Your Baker is Mason Rudolph. Like, just stick with Mason Rudolph at that point. Yeah, definitely. And also, I feel like the. The ceiling that uh, the the room between Justin Fields right now and his ceiling, I feel like is much larger oh. than like Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield would be, in my opinion, walking into worse situations if they came from their current teams to the Pittsburgh Steelers, like just in terms of like the yes. roster around yes, them. I agree. I agree. I almost had to think about that one. And then the name Justin Jefferson clicked in my head. Right. Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, Hawkinson, a lot of guys. Um, yeah. But like Justin Fields, like this is a significant talent upgrade like uh, oh, on the gosh, entire yeah. offense coming from the bears to uh, the Steelers. And so I feel like in that vein, there's, there's a lot of potential there. There's a lot more meat on the bone with Justin Fields uh, that you could still kind of pick at and see what you got there. Um, the other two kind of proven commodities, which I guess in one, in one sense is good, but I mean, it puts a hard ceiling on, on their potential. And I feel like Justin Fields, there's, 
there's like there's just a lot of potential that hasn't been tapped yet. I, I don't know. I'm a big Justin Fields guy, so I feel big like Justin that Fields guy. I'm a yeah. huge Justin Fields guy. So I just I, look at yeah. if you're gonna make a, I think I think my understanding is very simple. If you're not gonna draft a quarterback, or maybe I guess try to sign one, depending on how the free agency market goes, the only quarterback that I'm that I'm trading for in the NFL, if I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers, that's realistic. That's a realistic trade. Is Justin Fields? He's the only one I'm thinking about. Is the the rest of them? You could come up with this reason or that reason or whatever, not to make that move. Justin Fields is the only one that I'm sitting around going, that makes 100% sense. That is 100% worth the risk. That is 100% worth the draft capital. You go get Justin Fields. The rest of them, I'm good. Like, I think you could find other alternatives or take other risks or do whatever you want to do to handle the situation outside. Like, Justin Fields, to me, just like you said, like, like I could, I could look up at my ceiling here. 15 feet above me it's nowhere near the ceiling that justin fields has like the guy could be unreal he's working with dj Moore. before he's working with dj Moore, he's working with nobody like literally nobody he hasn't had a strong running game maybe ever in his entire career he's had an awful offensive line he just got a defense he's been flipping head coaches non-stop like just think about what justin fields could do with mike tomlin as his head coach as a guy who is steady and calm and going to just keep everybody relaxed in the moment. I think it's uh, with, with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, an offensive line that is missing two pieces. And I get it. They're two crucial pieces, but you could fill those pieces this off season. And a guy in George Pickens and Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryermuth and Connor Hayward and Calvin Austin. And I mean, that is, you put, just put Justin Fields in the best case, in the best scenario he could possibly be in when comparing the two teams and, the other two, I just I agree with you. I don't think I think it's a step down, and and I just think that there's other factors there where, like, don't get me wrong, Kirk Cousins might lead the Steelers to the Super Bowl, but I just don't, I don't. He doesn't excite me enough to, to go make that move. I don't know how old Justin Fields or uh, how old Kirk Cousins is, but he's got to be in his thirties, right? He's got to be like 33, 34, yeah, something like that. Easily, like I can look it yeah, up. he's up there, thirty five years old. So that's a guy that. Nah, like, what are you giving up for a 35-year-old Kirk Cousins? A first-round pick, definitely. And is that worth it? Nope. I'm giving up a second and a third for Justin Fields Right. any That's day of the week. The asking price for Justin Fields is so cheap. Like, it is, it's unreal. It's. That's what I'm giving up for. And I'm feeling 10 times better about that for a 25-year-old or a 24-year-old or whoever than I am for either one of the other two. Or I'm just sticking with Mason Rudolph saying, hey. Come on back. It is what it is. I don't know what the other free agents are. We'll get into that later, I guess. But for right now, if you had to pick between these three, easy, easy, easy. Would you, uh, it, let's let's just say Baker was the only realistic one, because I don't think Kirk's a realistic one. What, what would you give up for Baker Mayfield? Third round pick? Oh, I don't know if the Bucks would go for that. I, I know. Like oh, if you're the Steelers, what are you calling an offering? I'd offer not, a third. I feel like yeah, you got to offer a third and like something else, right? Like a third and Kenny Pickett. You could have Kenny Pickett. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah why like, not? Uh, that's what I'm offering. It sounds yeah. good, you know. But I'm not going anything higher than that. Justin Fields, I'm going second and third. Easy. I, I would consider a first, depending on how the situation looks and well, what I else they're like, willing to give up. Yeah, I feel like he's worth a first, so I would give a yeah. first. But I'm not. I'm not leading with that because clearly the Bears are prone to getting fleeced no dude Omar Khan's picking up the phone the and going Steelers, yeah. hey uh uh 
Ryan Poole, yeah, we'll give you a fifth round pick, and then we'll they'll work their way, and they'll eventually meet at like a second, a second and a third, and it'll work out just fine for the Pittsburgh Steelers and Caleb Williams. I hope you have a great time in Chicago, man. Hope you have a great time in Chicago. But that's the only way I'm going about that. All right, before we head out of here, last thing I want to talk about. Yesterday, lockout clean out, locker cleanout day. Last time, we'll talk to the Pittsburgh Steelers locker room until OTAs. The locker room will look much different by then. Plenty of injuries, plenty of contract expirations, contract extensions. Might have been the last time we saw Mason Rudolph walking around in the Pittsburgh Steelers locker room, as crazy as that sounds. We were both there. Talked to, I don't know, a few people. I don't want to say it was a successful locker room cleanout day. I've been to some really good ones. I've been to some really bad i mean i could still look back i think the best one i've ever been to was the first one and that's like i could still picture Artie burns shoving stuff into a garbage bag and somebody going up to him and him just being like man look at i'm not gonna come back here and you know i wish him all the best <laughs> but this just didn't work out we've been like all right sounds good thanks pal perfect i could still picture all that good stuff the zach i've had a zach banner interview that i literally just walked up to him and said like Hey, like, you know, what you got going on this offseason? And he said, take out your phone. And he just started talking. And I was like, all right, that's a great story. Thank you very much. There's been some really good ones yesterday. I would say it was eh. But after the season, the Pittsburgh Steelers went through. I don't think anybody really wanted to talk at that point. And to lose the night before, I don't think ever helps the situation. You were there your first locker clean out day, I believe. That's right. What uh, what, what was your biggest takeaway? What were your big takeaways? Um, Well... You know, it's it's just an interesting dynamic, you know? It's like, no one's supposed to be happy. Everyone's still a little pissed off. Um, but, like, it's kind of last day of school vibes, you know? Like, you, you want to say bye to your buds. You want to say bye to everyone before you, you leave. You're reminiscing. You're you're going yep. through memories. Guys are, like, you know, Pat Pete's handing out jerseys, you know, like, mm-hmm. to, to all his pals. Like, I don't know. It's 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 just a weird mix of like, you know, sadness, but also remembrance and, and some joy and some laughter and all that, which is just interesting to see. But I also, I think my biggest takeaway was something that we talked about a little bit earlier and it just felt like talking to guys, the Steelers really feel like they left something on the field up in Buffalo. Yes. Like, and, and for this entire season, really, I think they just felt like, man, we were much better than this. You know, like we were, mm-hmm. our the, the, some of our parts didn't, you know, wasn't better than, than what we actually, than what we all were individually, you know, like that they just like, weren't, you know, that there was, there was more to do that. They have like kind of some unfinished business that they uh, just felt like they didn't, didn't live up to their potential this season. I think that's plain enough for anyone to see, but um, it's, it's interesting to see guys kind of grapple with that in real time, you know, and like admit that and be like, yeah, we didn't, we didn't play as well as we could have. We didn't go as far as we could have. We, we feel like we left something out there. And uh, that was, I think my big, and that, and that goes back to the Tomlin thing, you know, it felt like the players really, that kind of weighed on them. You know, it was the, the kind of falling short this season was something that they took personally that they thought was, was kind of their fault. Um, and, yep. and that was just interesting to see because we spend the entire regular season talking about really two people, and it was Mason, uh, Kenny Pickett and Mike Tomlin and all the rest of the players are like, yeah, we're here too. Like we are, yeah. we, we are a part of this too. We own all the successes and failures. And, uh, it wasn't just two guys. It was, you know, 53 plus however many coaches, it just felt like that loss in this season kind of weighed on everyone in a big way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I was, I mean, it's been a little bit all season of guys like really hammering home, like, Look, we got to be on the field. But it, again, I said this earlier. 
none of those questions were ever like, oh, how disappointing was like some of them were how disappointing was the season? What are the emotions right now? A lot of those questions started with, you know, what are you know, Mike Tomlin talking about Mike Tomlin and guys would immediately just be like, look at our we didn't play well. We didn't play well enough. We didn't put it all out there. We we left so much at home. We injuries killed us. This was disappointing. We did this wrong. It was just so many guys trying to defend that, like, just like you said, it was them. Like, it was it was bad play in, bad, in big moments. And, I mean, that was cool to see. It stinks to see. But at the same time, like, it shows that the Steelers locker room went through a lot of drama this year. It had a lot of negative headlines. It had a lot of distractions. And all of those things were justified. They were still as competitive as humanly possible and somewhere along the way and I don't know if it was the last three games I couldn't tell you somewhere something clicked where it was like all right this is all on us we've done all this we've done this to ourselves nobody else could take the blame it is what it is and you know we have to live with it and and I think that's you know that's a that's a heartbreaker to see but it's also at the same time like optimistic to see because you got a bunch of guys that see the vision and realize that the vision isn't going to get handed to you. And in the NFL, I think a lot of guys think that the vision is handed to you, and that that was changed. I, I did, uh, I did like how pretty much nobody had anything negative to say about anybody else, which was nice, or the team, or like you said, it was like the last day of school. Like it was like, uh, yeah, you know, we did this together. You kind of saw the camaraderie of the Pittsburgh Steelers in that yeah. moment, which was uh, cool because, again, at a lot of times this season, it kind of felt like everything was falling apart and that, you know, guys had to go and this attitude issue and this attitude issue. And to to see it all come into a, a moment of, look, we're here and we believe we could do bigger things. That was cool. And I think people should uh, should be more optimistic about the future. Mayan was yesterday was kind of put a cap on it. Deontay Johnson says after the game that he hopes Mason Rudolph returns in 2024 as the guy gets the job. Jalen Warren says yesterday that he expects Mason Rudolph to return and be the starter and that he did what he needed to do. I don't know if Jalen understands in the moment or understood in the moment that Mason's contract is up because I wouldn't be paying attention to other people's contracts if I was in the midst of a season, like I wouldn't have a board up there and be like, Oh, all these guys are leaving. Right. But for him to say, I expect him to be the guy. It just feels like the locker room wants Mason to be their starting quarterback. Like if the season started today and I get that, that's a big, if they'd look at it and say like, uh, uh, they would just all expect Mason to be QB one heading into the next season. I think now it comes down to the coaches, which we talked about a lot yesterday of maybe Mike Tomlin needs to start listening to guys more. I think it comes down to the coaches erasing the first round draft stock and erasing the third round draft stock vet that didn't make it at first and just saying what quarterback gives us the best opportunity, who cares about how it looks in the end and, you know, whether or not I'm capable of drafting a first round quarterback and just look at it like who gives us the best chance. And I think Mason Rudolph is that guy. And I think the locker room feels like, you know, they're a bunch of guys. They're a group of guys. The locker room is a group of guys who do, who do not care where you were drafted or how you got here. They just care about who's going to give us the best opportunity to win. I think if the coaching staff realizes that same thing, they'll listen and Mason will be the guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think quarterback is a position that's uniquely uh, that makes kind of your opinion, your teammates opinions of you pretty relevant, you know, like yes. more than yes. like, 
you know, who cares if a uh, who cares if an outside corner is a leader? You know, who cares if he has yeah, the respect yeah, yeah. in the locker room? Like, if you play well, you'll get that stuff. Um, and quarterbacks a little bit like to us only to a certain extent like that. Like, you have to be charismatic and good with people and able to navigate problems and able to navigate, you know, interpersonal disputes and, and relationships. And it seems like Mason's able to do that really well. Um, Mason, I think, understands the, I, you know, politics is kind of the only only word that comes to mind, but kind of the human element of, of being a quarterback, um, yeah. at least by by all accounts. Um, and so to that in that vein, just like respect for the guy calling the plays and and running the huddle is, is important. And, and Mason, you can talk all you want about what he done on the field, but at the very least he's, he's leading this team and he's got their respect yep. and he's, he, his voice carries a lot of weight in that locker room. Yep, exactly. And I look at, there are a lot of decisions to go through. We'll talk about all of them throughout the off season. But for right now, again, if you sat everybody down in that, in that thing, and, and this is no disrespect to Kenny, I don't think anybody took it as a jab to Kenny or Mason's better than Kenny. I think it was strict, tunnel vision mason rudolph and they just realize how good this kid is and how promising their future is if he is their quarterback which i i thought was a big thing a big way to uh to walk away yeah and just like not everything needs to be about kenny you know no 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 sometimes it could just be about mason rudolph right like just because we're not talking about one guy doesn't mean we're we're saying something about him you know like i think we need to we need to let go of that a little bit like you said like a race i don't know just erase the first round grade, erase the third round grade. Just like look at look at the actual NFL football players we're talking about. And and I don't know. Kenny Pickett just does Kenny Pickett, I felt like, has been a part of every conversation. Like you literally cannot talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers without talking about Kenny Pickett. And I would like to be able to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers without talking about Kenny Pickett sometimes. I know he's a part of that. He could be a part of their future. He's a part of their immediate future. Um, but let's let's just I don't know. I'm I'm done with talking about Kenny Pickett, quite honestly. Yeah, for right now, 100%, especially in the conversation of Mason Rudolph. Like, right. If Mason Rudolph doesn't come back, then obviously we're having co- Kenny Pickett conversations. But for right now, it's let's just talk about Mason Rudolph. I agree. And I think the players felt the uh, the same way. With that, that is the last time we will talk to these guys. We'll talk to Mike Tomlin, uh, assumingly tomorrow. Have plenty of updates for that on friday we're heading out of here thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of all steelers talk make sure to subscribe to us on youtube youtube.com slash all steelers talk check us out anywhere you get your podcast and as always check out all of our work at allsteelers.com and all of our pick coverage at inside the we will be back on friday enjoy another beautiful day in the burg peace